0: Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. Good morning. It's another edition of Mile High Magazine, and I am Murphy Houston. Happy Sunday to you all. The month of March is upon us, and it's National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, so we thought we should talk about that a little bit. Joining us today is the uh, good Dr. Dennis Anen, who is a professor emeritus, University of Colorado School of Medicine and Director of Genetics, Gastrodenology. That's a tough word, Doc. You know that? Mm, yeah, it yeah, it's tough. I can't say it. Yeah, I got it. I can say the part of the Rockies, though, without any problem. And also joining us is uh, Christina Spore, American Cancer Society Health Systems Manager with hospitals. Is that how that works, Christina? Mm-hmm. Yes. And co-chair of the Colorado Colorectal Task Force. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. Glad to hear you. That you're with us today. So, Christina, let's jump in and talk about what is significant about the month of March with you guys.
1: So, March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Um, colorectal cancer is actually one of the only few cancers that can be prevented through on time screening. So, we're trying to raise awareness um, for those that fall into that eligible age range to get screened.
0: And what would that be?
1: Um, There's a lot of different options. Um, The most common option is colonoscopy. That's the option most people know about. But there are multiple screening options that include uh, simple take-home tests, such as stool tests, that can be done.
0: So the main question there was, how about the age? Is there limitations? I mean, is it open to anybody? Does it start at 50? What is it?
1: So the American Cancer Society actually just came out with their new screening guidelines um, that say that people age 45 and older should start talking to their doctor about colorectal cancer screening. Um, Depending on your insurance, that may actually start at 50, but we do recommend starting that conversation earlier. Um, We're seeing a huge increase in early onset colon cancer. And so we're wanting younger people to start that conversation with doctors to see if maybe they fall into a higher risk category and can get screened earlier.
0: Well, doctor, let's talk about what kind of screenings are there. I mean, I've had the colonoscopy thing, but there's other screenings I didn't know of.
2: Yeah, there sure are. Colonoscopy is the most commonly used screening test in the United States. But there are other tests that are take-home tests, testing the stool for blood, looking for alterations in DNA in the stool as well as blood. Even imaging studies like flexible sigmoidoscopy is still used. that looks at the distal part of the colon, not the entire colon. Uh, and uh, CT colonography, an x-ray, is also. So there are several tests. The good part about that is that there's a test that, that is suitable for anyone. There's no real reason to not get screened because you're worried about the uncomfortableness of either playing with your stool or uh, having, having a colonoscopy. There are options, and you should talk with your provider about the options.
0: And I've had a couple and always heard the prep was the worst part, not the procedure. And the prep has really changed and gotten a lot better from the earlier ones I had, hasn't it? Yeah, it I, has. I mean, there were some tough times, but now it seems really pretty simple. Well, I've had them too, and yeah. so I,
2: I can relate <laughs> to what you say. Um, but the two things that have changed about the preps that are make it easier is that often the prep is given in two doses, one the night before, half of it the night before, and half of it the morning of. And the reason for that is because the prep is better. Uh, You just get a better view of the colon if the last part of that prep is done just before you start the colonoscopy, two or three hours before you start the colonoscopy. The other part of it is some of the new preps use about half the volume of the old prep. So both of those things together, as well as some tricks, uh, getting it cold and flavoring it, have made the prep easier. But you're right, right. Most people say that the prep is the hardest part, and the colonoscopy itself is a piece of cake.
0: Yeah, I thought that was easy peasy. I mean, all of a sudden, you're in there. You know, they give you a little something, something, and you wake up and you're done. Yep. I thought that was very easy. Is there one more uh, procedure that's more effective over the other? Is the colonoscopy still the best way to determine?
2: Well, I think that each of the tests have a, their own strengths and weaknesses. The reason colonoscopy is the most commonly used in this country is because if it's normal, you don't have to do anything else for ten years. The interval is ten years. Whereas some of the other tests, like the second most common test, is is called fecal fecal immunochemical test. It tests the stool for blood. And that needs to be done every year. It's easy. It's, you take it home, a little kit, and you right. do the sample. Uh, but it has to be done every year. And so the, the f- provider has to remember to do that every year. Uh, and the other advantage of colonoscopy is that it's a one-step test. If you, It's the only test that allows you to look at the entire inside of the colon and take out polyps in one step. If you have a positive test for blood, a positive fecal immunochemical test, then the next step is a colonoscopy. It's required in order to complete the screening right, strategy. Right. So uh, a one-step test uh, eliminates that possibility of not getting the second step. So adherence is, a, is an important issue with any screening test, and the best one is actually the one that actually gets it done.
0: Yeah, that's a good point right there. Uh, they, uh, Christina said age 50. Forty-five?
1: The American Cancer Society just changed their guidelines to uh, 45. Um, But depending on your insurance, that's why it's really important to talk to your your insurance company and talk to your provider to see um, what age is best. But we just want you to start the conversation earlier um, to see if you're high risk like myself. Um, My father actually was diagnosed with late-stage colon cancer at the age of 34. Um, So because of that, I'm considered high risk, and I started getting colonoscopies uh, 10 years before my father was diagnosed um, so I've had a colonoscopy it's not that bad nah. um, and I'm probably the queasiest person um, in the world and it really was was not that bad and I get mine every five years just because I do fall into that high risk category
0: that's a sad story about your dad 34.
1: 34 and he actually it's a it's a good story he's actually a survivor um, he beat the odds uh, he was given six months to live and he had amazing doctors around him and he's still here to this day he was at my wedding a couple of years ago so um, <laughs> it's it's just a really great thing if you really need to just talk with your family to and really understand your family history you really of all uh, different types of illnesses but with colon cancer um, it is one that if you have that strong family history you can get screened earlier um, and it is one of the most preventable types of cancers.
0: And if you don't have to be screened earlier, Doc, how often should you have it? If they do a colonoscopy and let's say there's no polyps and you're clean, when's the next one? Is it the next year? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? How long? It varies depending upon which test is chosen. For colonoscopy, if
2: you're in the average risk group, that means that you don't have any personal history of previous polyps or colon cancer, no family history of colon polyps or cancer, the average risk population. If you have a normal colonoscopy, the next one is in 10 years. Uh, So you're off the hook. Uh, for 10 years, <laughs> fecal immunochemical tests, those stool tests, uh, are done every year. So it varies depending upon which test uh, is chosen. And so that's why it's important to talk with your provider about the best
0: choice for you. Well, colonoscopy just seems to make it easier. You hear these stories, but, you know, 10 years, if you're, if you're good, that's a long wait yeah. and not Im- very
2: often. It's important to know that if you're found to have polyps at the time of colonoscopy, then you're brought back earlier. It might be every five years or, every, or brought back in three years. And if you have a family history of colorectal cancer, the recommendation is to start at age 40. All the guidelines in the United States recommend starting at age 40. If you have a first-degree relative that is a parent, a sibling, or a child with colorectal cancer, about 10% of the population fall into that group. So that group is large and should start screening at 40, not 45, not 50, but actually should talk to their provider about their family history well before age 40.
0: And usually it takes the doctor to get after the insurance company, doesn't it? Because the insurance companies, as Christina was alluding to, they push back, which I, I I never could. I went through that, and it's a quick other topic. But my wife had breast cancer twice, and now trying to get my daughters checked early, because obviously it's somewhere in our fam. Oh no, they got to wait till they're whatever the age is. Well, sometimes that's an issue, but if it's
2: clearly stated in the in the requisition that it was because of a family history, we haven't had a great deal of pushback from insurance companies about starting screening at age forty. The real issue in Colorado is some insurance companies now are covering, starting at age 45, and others still are starting at 50. Uh, So that's an important, for average risk people, that's an important distinction to make, and calling your insurance company to find out is important. But we haven't received a lot of pushback about people with a family history. Oh, that's
0: great news. Mm -hmm. Glad to hear that. I have to ask the doctor this. We were having this discussion out in the lobby, Christina, before you got Mm -hmm. here this morning. I always thought it was Colon Cancer Awareness Month, but it's... Colon, colon rectal.
1: Colorectal. Yeah.
0: Explain that to us, Doc, as you did to me. So um, colorectal
2: cancer is probably the more accurate term, clearly is the more accurate term, because the, co- the rectum is part of the colon. Uh, and people use the term colon cancer to describe proximal colon cancer, proximal cancer in the colon and not the rectum. So colorectal includes both those segments of the of the colon. Usually when people say colon cancer, they mean the entire Same thing. They mean colorectal. But colorectal cancer is probably the more accurate
0: term. Well, now we have that uh, cleared up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, Christina, maybe you can tell us uh, about how many people are diagnosed with colorectal cancer here in Colorado. Because I think it's surprising.
1: It's pretty surprising, yes. Um, So this year in Colorado, an estimated uh, about 1,900 people will actually be diagnosed with colorectal cancer. And unfortunately, an estimated 660 people will pass from the disease. So it's it's impacting our local community, which is why it's so important to get the word out about screening.
0: Absolutely. But your doc should be pretty much on top of that when you get into certain ages that you're aware. Yes. Because I have to say this, my neighbor, who's probably in his 50s, has never had one. Mm. A colonoscopy and went, What? I was like startled at that, doc.
2: Yeah, it's not uncommon uh, for people to say that the reason they haven't had screening of any sort is because they didn't, their doctor didn't recommend it. One of the most important things providers can do is to recommend colonoscopy or recommend some form of colon cancer screening um, and and have that discussion before age forty. To expand on what Christina said. Colon cancer is a common disease. Uh, it's a potentially lethal disease, uh, and it's preventable. I think those are the three important points. It's, co- it's the second most common cause of cancer, death, in the United States, if you take men and women Is that together, right? Mm-hmm. Second only to lung cancer. Wow. Men and women together. Uh, and, and you'd never hear that. Um, well, let's hear it now. <laughs> your re- your That's listeners why are gonna, you're here. <laughs> your listeners are going to hear this. We're being educated. Yeah. The second most common cause of cancer death. It's the fourth most common cancer overall. Right. Uh, but the second most common cause of cancer death, and importantly, it's preventable. Uh, not, it's one of the few cancers that you can not only screen and detect cancer early, but you can also identify the precursors, the polyps that lead to cancer, take them out, and actually prevent cancer from occurring in the first place. So screening is not just early detection for colorectal cancer, and there's very good evidence that screening works. In the last 25 years, both the number of cases and the number of deaths from colon cancer has decreased between 40 and 50%, a dramatic decrease, mostly because of screening, not totally, but mostly because of screening,
0: uh, and screening, so there's very good evidence that screening works. Well, I would think that the follow-up technology, what you do, the medical technology, is probably far advanced from ten, fifteen years ago. It has gotten better. Uh, screening
2: rates have gone up too, and that's probably the most important thing. The screening rates in the United States now are about sixty-seven percent. Colorado's a little above that, sixty-eight percent or so. The goal is to get to eighty percent. Um, Mm -hmm. by this year, actually, Uh, by the end of last year, in fact. Uh, And so we're really pushing to try to increase the rates. It would save hundreds of thousands of lives if we could get from where we are uh, to 80 percent. So it's really important to get that message out both to the provider uh, community as well as to the public.
0: Well, it does help the public, but doesn't it really start with the provider? Shouldn't they be on top of that?
2: I think they should be on top of that, but it's important that people also understand that they should talk to their provider about uh, colon cancer screening, and they should talk to them before age 45. You should talk to them by age 40, talk about your family history and what the proper age is for them to start screening. So it, it uh, provi- it's a provider responsibility for sure, but that
0: nudging that provider uh, is always helpful. Well, with all the health issues my wife and I have been through, we've become real advocates for our health, and I think everybody should do that, right, mm-hmm. Christine? Don't yes, you think?
1: I would definitely agree. I think, you know, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household that talked about those things that maybe were a little bit more taboo, so I grew up understanding my father's illness and knowing that when I reached a certain age that I needed to start screening a lot earlier than some other people. So I think it's just creating that healthy mindset and being an advocate for your own health is so important.
0: It really is. And I think with the fact that Christina is already starting screenings, we should Mm -hmm. mention, Doc, I I think there's a fallacy out there that people might think, well, that's a men's problem. It is not just a men's problem, is it?
2: No, it's not. It's an equal opportunity cancer. <laughs> wow. In fact, um, at any age, the incidence of colorectal cancer is a little higher in men than it is in women. But because women live longer, the absolute incidence over a lifetime is about the same. And it's about a 5% risk. 5% of the population will get colon cancer. Half of those folks will die of it. Wow, that's crazy. So who's at increased risk for
0: this problem with colon cancer?
2: So I mentioned who's at average risk. Right. Uh, yeah. So the folks that are increased risk are people who've, who who've known to have polyps, known to have colon cancer, known to have a family history of colorectal cancer right. and a close relative, or a family history of an advanced adenoma, that is a large or histologically advanced adenoma. People don't know that. Only gastroenterologists know that. Our responsibility is to tell people about their polyps and whether they're advanced or not. Uh, those folks are at increased risk. Uh, In addition, people who have inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease of the colon are at increased risk because of the chronic inflammation. And then there are a small group of people that have hereditary colorectal cancer syndromes. And usually those syndromes are identified because of a strong family history like Christina's would would be suspicious for a hereditary syndrome uh, because of the very early age onset of colon cancer in her father. Uh, So those hereditary syndromes may account for about 10% of all colorectal cancers. The most common is Lynch syndrome. Maybe one in 300 of the population has that syndrome.
0: And it's not contagious. It is not contagious. I've heard that, too. I (laughs) said, how can it
2: be contagious? I don't understand. But I thought I'd ask. But it is mo- it's not contagious like an infectious disease, but it is, there are modifiable risk factors. It's well known that alcohol in excess is a risk factor. Tobacco is a risk factor for colorectal cancer as, as well as many other cancers. And diets, high in red meat, low in fruits and vegetables. Obesity, and physical, ph- obesity is a risk factor. Physical activity is protective. So there are five risk factors that we know about that are modifiable and can change risk. But none of those, the biggest risk factor for colorectal
0: cancer is the failure to get screened. Wow, that's something. And it's funny, those five factors you just pointed out, that seems to go with so many different problems.
2: it's yes. absolutely right. It's good for your heart. Uh, your lungs. Also good for your lungs. I mean, I mean.
0: And now good for your colon. <laughs> I mean, really. So when you hear these stories, take advantage of it. That, mm-hmm. That's got to be done for sure. So- I wanted to ask more about maybe your dad a little bit, Christina, if you don't mind. Yeah. Did he have a history of it before him in his family? Did his dad have it or his mom have it?
1: So actually, um, so his brother had it. Um, And unfortunately, um, again, it was his household was more, um, they didn't really talk about those types of things. So his older brother had colon cancer and didn't tell anybody. And so um, he, unfortunately, he did pass. um, And then my father was diagnosed. And so it's one of those situations where, because they didn't talk about it. My dad didn't know that it was maybe something he should have talked to his provider about before obviously getting diagnosed. Um, So he does have that strong family history. That's why it's so important to understand not only your own um, medical history, your own medical um, specifics, but talk to your family about, you know, the different types of cancers or illnesses they've had, because for him, they didn't talk about that. And so he may have been able to get screened earlier if um, it was, you know, one of those situations where it wasn't too, taboo to kind of speak about these types of things. So, um, yeah, so he does have that increased risk with his uh, his brother having it. So, like Dr. Anand had mentioned, because I have such a f- strong family history, you know, um, there could be a possible genetic uh, disposition that is, you know, increasing my risk. So, again, it's just so important to understand your own family history and then talk to your provider to see what the best fit is going to be for you yeah, one, any cancer.
0: One word for that is awareness.
1: Awareness, yes. And that's why, uh, you know, March is so important. Um, and that's why we're here talking about it today. It's something, you know, before I think breast was one of those taboo topics people didn't want to talk about. Now everyone's talking about it. And I think colorectal cancer is that next cancer that not many people want to talk about. And it's so important because it's so preventable. It's one of the most preventable cancers, but it's obviously causing, you know, the, it's the second most common cause of cancer death. So, um You know, the more awareness we can get around screening, the more lives we can save.
0: Well, and that's why we're here talking about it right now, so that you will be aware and you will talk about Mm -hmm. it and get things taken care of. Because you're right, that's how breast cancer started. Now, everybody talks about it. Mm -hmm. But some of the facts uh, Dr. Anand's giving me here today about the level of cancer and who's really suffering from certain cancers, including colon cancer, is significant. And what about symptoms, Doc? I mean, how do we know? Because most people, I feel great. I don't need to be checked. I'm fine.
2: Are you? Yeah. This is an important question. Um, There are no early symptoms of colorectal
0: cancer. That's what I thought.
2: Uh, And that's why screening is so important. But there are symptoms. Uh, And Christina mentioned that the incidence of colon cancer, colorectal cancer in young people is rising. I told you that the number of cases and number of deaths is declining in the overall population. But this group under age 50, the risk is increasing. And it's actually increased about 50% in the last 20 years. From a low level. 50%. To, but percentage-wise, yeah. a big increase. And so that's a worry. That's one of the reasons that the American Cancer Society reanalyzed the data and, and concluded that starting at age 45 uh, was was worthwhile. Uh, and But the, that it, there are symptoms that occur with colon cancer. It's very important to know about them uh, at any age. Uh, it doesn't matter. Age is irrelevant when it comes to these symptoms. Rectal bleeding, seeing red blood in the stool or black tarry stools, a uh, change, a uh, persistent, a new, persistent, uh, and/or progressive change in bowel habits, in abdominal pain, uh, or in um, in weight, weight uh, unexplained weight loss. Those are the major symptoms. Uh, rectal bleeding should never be a- attributed to hemorrhoids without looking, for example. Well you hear
0: that too, don't you? Well,
1: yeah. my father actually, he was misdiagnosed initially. They said that it was hemorrhoids. Stop um, it. At 32. Yeah. And so uh, he just kind of dismissed it and then found a different provider at 34. And unfortunately, at that point, it was at stage four. So that's a very There's, important point.
2: There was this perception that, oh, colon cancer occurs in older folks. Mm-hmm. Well, the data is that colon cancer is increasing in younger folks. Uh, and it's, it probably would be increasing in everybody if we didn't start screening folks uh, around yeah. age 50. Why, why is it starting with younger folks? What's going on? Uh, that's a really good question. Nobody really knows for sure. Uh, my personal bias is it's probably multifactorial. I told you about the risk factors that were yeah. important for older-onset colon cancer. I'm sure some of those same risk factors are important in early-onset cancer. We do know there's one good study that suggests that obesity is, in fact, a risk factor for early-onset as well as late onset. I suspect some of those other factors are also. I'm sure. Whether there are additional unique factors to early onset disease is a really important question. A lot
0: of people are trying to answer that question. We just don't really know. Just a change of lifestyle, maybe, or something. huh? Lifestyle seems to affect so much, as you were talking about.
2: Yeah, I think some of those factors that we talked about, like lack of physical activity, obesity, uh, and high fat diets, uh, are. There's increased exposure to that in younger people. Absolutely. And so maybe some of those factors, it's just the intensity of exposure that's causing this. But it's also important to find out if there are unique factors that are causing this
0: rise in early-onset disease. Good information there for sure. So, Christina, why is the month of March... Like colorectal cancer awareness month. Why March? Is there a particular reason for that?
1: You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's a if there's a particular reason behind March per se. Um, but I think it is nice to have um, it early in the earlier in the year. You know, October is a very busy time with breast cancer awareness right, month. So right, yeah. I think having some activities early in the year has been really great. Um, we're actually kicking off uh, colorectal cancer awareness month on March 1st over at the Denver City and County Building. Um, we we do an annual uh, candlelight vigil. Um, we have speakers come and talk about the awareness piece Um, and then we also highlight some of the other companies that have joined us um, in lighting up blue lighting up Colorado blue
0: that's what the color is, Colorado blue?
1: Blue, yep. So yeah. the color for colorectal cancer awareness is blue. Um, so we've been working with getting that awareness up so that hopefully in the future during March when you see buildings lit up blue or you see the blue ribbon, you associate that with colorectal cancer.
0: I think I saw the coach of the avalanche wearing a blue ribbon the other day. Could that be a possibility? I wonder Could if he's be. got some history in his family. Possibly. You know, he was wearing a bright blue ribbon on his uh, mm-hmm. lapel. That's uh, interesting. Do you guys do any kind of fundraising during March? And do we have a gala or something like that? Or? Um.
1: So the Colon Cancer Alliance actually does um, their Undie Run. Now, it's not in March. Um, It's over the summer. Um, But that's one of the bigger events here in the Denver area that highlights colorectal cancer specifically. Um, The American Cancer Society, we do our Relay for Life events during the summer, and that highlights all different types of cancers. So um, no big fundraisers happening in March. Probably the summertime when the Undie Run comes around is probably the biggest fundraiser for colorectal cancer.
2: There is the Blue Hope Bash. Oh,
1: yes, the Whoa, gala, if do, you're more into galas. <laughs> um,
2: I think it's uh, maybe a w- on March 7th. Uh, and the Colon Cancer Alliance does have a fundraiser uh, for, uh, specifically for colorectal cancer called the Blue Hope Bash.
0: Well, I think we're going to miss that. March 7th, you said? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to miss that by a couple oh, of days. And also, you missed
2: the vigil. But
0: yeah, nonetheless, um, next, there's always next year. Well, always there's always a lot of awareness. I was wondering about it. Uh, you must have a website.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, so the American Cancer Society has um, cancer.org is our website. Um, You can access 24-7 cancer information and resources. Uh, One of my favorite programs we actually have is our 1-800 number. So that's 1-800-227-2345. And you actually get connected with a cancer specialist. And so if you have any questions about a a, a real person, person, (laughs) 365 days a year. Um, So if you have any questions about anything that we've even talked about today, about, oh, maybe I should talk to my provider about colorectal cancer screening, any prevention. Um, if you or a loved one has been diagnosed, um, we're here to help. So that's one of my favorite resources because you can get connected with a cancer specialist and ask them really any question that you might have.
0: And that number again is?
1: 1-800-227-2345.
0: Keep that handy. In fact, yes. when we're done here, go for that check it out right now. Mm-hmm. might be a good way to start to get that thought process in your head. So, Doc, I'm, I'm wondering if Backing up a little bit, to you're talking about symptoms. If you are experiencing some of those symptoms, you might have just made some people aware today about that. What should they do, and what could be coming up if they discover colorectal cancer? What processes are out there? Major surgery is it? You know. So, uh, so if you have a,
2: any of those symptoms that we mentioned, uh, the first thing to do is to talk to your primary care provider. Tell them about the symptoms, uh, and if you're worried that it might be colon cancer, say that too. Uh, let them know. Get, get, make sure you're on the right track, particularly if you're young and have those symptoms, uh, because there's still this tendency to to say, oh, that's hemorrhoids or, oh, that's irritable bowel syndrome causing your belly pain. Uh, so a workup, and that workup usually includes a, a colonoscopy to make the diagnosis. The, di- you may, the bleeding may be from a polyp that could be removed at the colonoscopy or even an early cancer that occasionally can be removed at the colonoscopy. If not, uh, then uh, there'll be a referral to either a surgeon or a medical oncologist to determine the extent of the disease on a decision about therapy. And therapy is very much dependent upon the stage of the disease. Uh, for early stage disease, surgery alone may be enough, uh, followed by adjuvant chemotherapy or systemic chemotherapy. The newest thing in treatment, however, is that there's a subset of folks with colorectal cancer that respond very well to immunotherapy, sort of this latest... uh, What is that? uh, Immunotherapy is using a stimulus of the immune system to try to promote immune cells, to identify cancer cells and kill them. And it's really been a game changer for many types of cancer uh, and with very durable responses, responses that we hadn't seen with standard chemotherapy. And there's a small subset of folks with colorectal cancer that are also eligible for immunotherapy, and it's really important to identify that subset, and that's why essentially all colon cancers are now tested for the marker of that subset of cancers that might respond
0: to immunotherapy. And you would think most doctors, your basic doctors should be aware of that.
2: The most oncologists yeah. are clearly the oncologists. The
0: oncologists are aware of that,
2: and they're the ones that are making decisions about uh, colon cancer systemic treatment.
0: And w- could there be a lot of chemotherapy, maybe in some cases, with that? With the, the, the healing process, surgery, or whatever you might have to go through? A lot of chemotherapy. The therapy, right. Uh, yeah, sure. That?
2: Chemotherapy is certainly indicated for people that have extensive disease, that have metastatic disease. So right. chemotherapy regimens are well-established for colorectal cancer uh, and are pretty standardized. This immunotherapy group is different. This is a relatively new development in the, in the whole field of oncology, but it's an important one for a small subset of folks with colorectal cancer. And non-invasive. Uh non invasive in the sense that it's less there's less toxicity sure. with immunotherapy than there is with some systemic chemotherapy for sure. Well that's a great discovery.
0: Big breakthrough there. How long's that been around?
2: Oh probably for the last six years maybe. The first studies in colon cancer maybe right. were uh twenty ten, twenty twelve, somewhere like that.
0: Well, that's not that far back. Yeah. That's relatively new. Christine, anything else you care to add today that we need to be aware of that we should be thinking about?
1: No, just talk to your providers about getting screened and also talk to your family members and see if you do have possibly a increased family history of not just colorectal cancer, but also polyps. You know, definitely make that a dinner conversation. Um, and we're just wanting to bring that awareness and just uh, make sure it's not taboo anymore. It's so preventable and we want to make sure that people are getting screened
0: you get out and do uh, speaking engagements? You're pretty good at this.
1: Oh, thank you. I
0: mean, seriously, don't <laughs> you know, uh, get in front of groups because I, I actually, I go out and talk to a lot of groups about male breast cancer because, mm-hmm. you know, most men don't even realize they can get breast cancer.
1: Yeah. No, um, March is one of my favorite months because the reason I joined the American Cancer Study is because of my dad and because of my increased risk for colorectal cancer. So I, I love speaking to people because, you know, right now I'm 29, but I started getting colonoscopies at 24. I get them every five years. It's not that bad. And I think coming from someone that's a little bit younger, that it's affected at a younger age, um, I think is a powerful message. So wherever I can spread that message, I'm always happy to do that.
0: I bet people are somewhat shocked when you tell them you've had colonoscopies yes. at, what, 24, years. said? At 24 is when I started. 24? Mm-hmm. I could barely tie my shoes at 24. Yes. I did not want to go. I,
1: my mom did have to drag me there. But um, <laughs> after that first experience, I realized, you know, it's really not that bad. And it's better than having cancer. And, you know, really understanding what my dad had to go through at such a young age um, is motivation for me to, you know, get screened to make sure that I don't follow in that same path and I prevent it.
0: And your dad has recovered, you said, completely recovered,
1: completely recovered. He did. um, He's had some, you know, medical issues from the chemotherapy 30 years ago. Um, It's a lot different than it is now, Um, was pretty harsh on his body. But, you know, he is still here to this day, which I'm so thankful for. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that got him through was his mindset. He's a very positive person. And he said, I'm going to beat this for my kids. You know, I was a year old. My brother was three at the time. So um, I think really that mental capacity is really huge when you're diagnosed with cancer and um, can help you survive it. So Christina keep an inspiration. Spohr, thanks
0: a lot for coming in today. I appreciate you. it. And Doc, any final words from you, from folks out there listening? No, only this is an important topic. Public awareness of colorectal cancer is critically important, and I thank you for having us here to talk about it. Well, it's good to get the word out. I've learned something new today, and we appreciate your, uh, your smartness today, Dr. Ahnen. And thank you again, Christina, for coming in. And thank you guys all for listening. This is Mile High Magazine. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week about the same time here with another great topic for you. And thank you for listening. Have a great day.